Welcome back to another episode of the College Football Overdrive Podcast. I am one of your hosts. I am Fred Purdue. I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Rick Brown. What's going on, Rick? What's happening, my brother? How you feeling? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's game week. It's game week, at least for me. I'm definitely, it's definitely game week for me. Um, we got a lot to talk about, and some things have changed. Some happenings in this whole college football thing. Talk to me. So we have we can jump right into this thing. Like I said, it's game week. We have my Miami Hurricanes. Let me say it one more time. For my Canes fans, it is game week. Uh, your Miami Hurricanes will be facing off against the Texas A&M Aggies after they were upset at home. So those guys might be pretty mad. We have some Scott Frost talk. We have some other games that we have our picks because, you know, Rick, we – we gotta talk to we gotta talk about a little bit more than just the canes, right? I mean, I would love to do canes today, but we're not here for that. And we have uh we have some some college football viewing, some numbers going up. We always love numbers, right? Men lie, women lie, but numbers don't. Oh that's numbers, what they say, right? Yeah, that's what they say, but you know, women lie, yes. Kappa men do not lie. Ooh. I can't speak for everybody else. Uh, but Kappa men do not lie. Women lie, yes. Capital men do not lie, yes. Uh, numbers can be distorted. But Ooh, numbers but can be distorted. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, it can be. Hey, straight no chase, man. You know, straight no chase. I love it. I love it. I love yeah. it. So some quick chrome, some quick promo. You can find me on Twitter at Fred Purdue CFB. Rick, where can they find you? Because we know we're still trying to find out what a Tar Heel is and you know. What in the world is a freaking Tar Heel? If anybody listening can tell me what a Tar Heel is, let me know. Uh at on Twitter at Rick Brown91. Rick Brown91. And you can always follow the show on Twitter at CFB Overdrive, bringing you the best in college football news, notes, and our great voices, right? So, kind of got that out of the way. So, let's talk college football. We have numbers. The numbers are in. So, the total college football viewing uh, across national networks is up 8%. And I know that sounds that sounds like such a minute number, but 8% is a lot through week two. And it's reached uh, this is a six-year high dating back to uh, 2016. So, college football on the rise? I'm not going to go that far. I, I really think this is it's, it's almost a perfect storm. I, I mean, after two-plus years of COVID really dominating and hampering, you know, college games and timing and players and, and all, we have a year somewhat we're not out of the pandemic yet but we have a little bit of normalcy and i think people are trying to get back into their routine and and so what better way than to watch sports sports all weekend sports when you can just relax i think college football is getting a boost as well as the other sports i i i do believe the nfl is is doing the same thing it's seeing a rise and I believe, in my opinion, it's um, it's because of this perfect storm aligning. People are tired. People are wanting to get out. People are wanting to throw uh, football parties again and gathering for a barbecue. If you're down here in the great state of, um, oh, did that call this the great state of Florida? Ooh, ooh. Anyway, uh, here in <laughs> the state of Florida. Upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to make people too happy or upset here. Uh, not political, uh, but uh, I think people are gathering to see the games like we used to back in the day, and it, it, the timing is just perfect. So I think uh, college football is getting that boost. I definitely love this game. This I love this game more than the NFL game. I used to think I love the NFL, but this this college game it has such a a different feel. There's something special about every single university, even those people in North Florida, uh, even those people in South Bend bring something a little, little different to college football. So uh, there's always a little something. And of course the festivities, the festivities, the pregame. I mean, you saw what Texas A&M looked like last week. Uh, those guys were buzzed before the, the game ever started. 
buzzed? Uh, what 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 do you mean by buzz there? But, but I, I don't want to get into it. But we all know we all know what college football brings. We all know we all did, know. Did, did did Appalachian State put a buzz on them or something? Mm, or did mm, they... I see what you did there. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, I'm just, yeah. Asking, you know. Yeah, but speaking of uh, schools that have something special or not so special, uh, the Notre Dame fight, Fighting Irish, those little green people in South Bend who I dislike very much, and our uh, we have a little bit of a special we have a special guest coming up. He has a disdain for those people too. Their starting quarterback Tyler Buckner is out for the rest of the season with a shoulder injury. He'll be out for the next four months. Uh, so I have no love lost for those people up north, but I never, never want to see a guy get injured. Uh, so they'll be. Uh, they'll be without their starting quarterback, and it was very – I mean, after three picks, I mean, mm, his, his performance wasn't all that great to start with. <laughs> really? Really? That's how you're going you're to do You're not missing much. You're not that, missing that's how you're going to do him. I, I mean – Back in the comment. Sorry, <laughs> sorry for um, sorry for Coach uh, Freeman. Um, first year, tough beginning, lose, lose the games – now you lost your starting quarterback. Oh, man, man. Do I see a, a, a rehash of Ty Willingham? Oh, ooh, my goodness, ooh, please. Ty, no. You're pulling names no. from yesteryear. Yeah, oh. I give him a pass for year one, but after year one, it, mm, mm. it's what happens man. when you deal with Notre Dame. You can't, they don't, they can't bring in the transfers like that. They don't have the JUCOs. They don't recruit down south. Hey, it is what it is. I again, I feel I don't feel bad for anybody up up there in South Bend at all. I mean, I understand the Catholics versus the I mean versus the criminals. I I, I get that. I mean, hey, you know, bunch of thugs. They always play. I mean, shoot. Yeah, we'll get those guys again. We'll get those guys again. <laughs> so, also down south, um, we have so Oklahoma. Oklahoma is going to be joining the SEC soon, uh, but they had upcoming games in 2023 and 2024 against Georgia and Tennessee. But the SEC said they pulled the Lee Corso and said, "Not so fast, my friend," and said, "No, we don't want you playing any games." against your future SEC opponents while you're in the Big 12, you will have to find someone else. And when you become full members, you guys can come play our teams. So uh, Oklahoma had to replace those games with SMU. Mm. Mm. There's a guy from Miami that's there now, Rhett Lashley. He, he might be happy to have a home and home against Oklahoma, maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My question is this, though. What difference does it make? Money. It's always money. I, I mean, they're coming to the conference anyway. Let them have their games. This is another I, one one reason why I, I have such disdain for the NCAA is because of the asinine decisions that they seem to make. I think this is asinine. I do not like this decision one bit. I, I, so what? What's wrong with a home and home? You're going to see them every year anyway. Let's just get it over with. They're being, they're being, no, they're being the no later than 25. They're being the SEC. It's yeah. all about money. It's all about money. And, the, and Oklahoma will still take this L. They're definitely taking this L against Georgia whenever it happens. So Man, you're, Oklahoma we're just in, we're denying it. We're delaying I'm gonna be, the inevitable. I'm going to be pulling for Oklahoma to, to rip. You just want to Georgia me. every time they say, every time wow. they see it. Wow. Wow. Okay. Just because. Oh, just hey, because. isn't Georgia number one this week? Yeah, they're number one this week. They're no, and deservedly so uh, yeah. after Alabama Agreed. put up a not so great performance against the Texas Longhorns, also a SEC upcoming uh, entry into the you SEC. Know, I, so. I, I always had a problem, you know, when, when I was with the paper in, in Lakeland. And I used to do my um, my top five for when I come back when I was doing colleges, and I do my top five picks or whatever. The first year, I mean, the year after, I would always put the national champion number one because they're still the champs until someone beats them. Now I don't care if they played Texas A&M or Florida A&M; it, it didn't matter. I, they were number one until they lost. Ooh. I, I just, and so I, I think Georgia 
Georgia got disrespected. I think I think they were disrespected. They they were overlooked last year, and everyone thought that Alabama was going to blow them out in in the title game, <laughs> and we saw what happened. And I think they're overlooked this year as well. I, I think people are, are are discounting them, thinking last year was a fluke. Don't don't go to Vegas thinking that way, my people. Or I Hard think, Rock Cafe. Don't do I it. Think, I think Georgia has had something up their sleeve called a defense and a nice little yeah. surprise called Stetson Bennett this year. We'll see going forward. But I got a little bit of a surprise. You know, I'm always full of surprises. We got a special guest tonight to talk about that game day that I was talking about at the beginning of the show. Um one Cam Underwood from stateoftheu.com, a former podcast host of mine over at the other show. Cam, what's going on, man? What's good, friend? Man, it's been a minute since we uh, we convened here in podcast world. So for the folks out there that may have missed it, I don't know how you could because at the other show, we were killing it. Cam, tell us. <laughs> How good are these canes? Because first off, before I don't want before we jump into it, I gotta make sure we promo you. Where can they find you on Twitter? Because you have not only canes work, but you have you have the jokes, you got a little F1 racing, you got a little bit of everything. You're a man of many talents. You know, I've always uh, fancied myself a renaissance man. So, uh, yeah, you know, I appreciate it. But, uh, Rick, it's a pleasure to meet you, you know, virtually here in, uh, you know, podcast land and everything. But, uh, yeah, you know, thanks for having me on. And, again, my name is Cam Underwood. I am the managing editor of stateoftheu.com. So go over there and fan with us as we provide you with the uh, industry-leading commentary and analysis for the Miami Hurricanes 24-7, 365. Got a great crew over there. So you can, uh, you know, interact with us there, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The State of the U. And then if you want a little bit of my personal flavor that Fred was talking about, that's going to be at Underwood Sports on Twitter. Yeah, it's going to be sports. Yeah, it's going to be jokes. Uh, I'm playing F1 manager for a video game. I do watch F1 racing, uh, talk about, um, you know, reality television and competition television, things like that as well, and just generally have some fun. So those are some places that you guys can connect with me and, uh, you know, maybe even in the future hear some other, you know, hear me on a microphone again. I don't know. I've just had dinner, uh, so I think that, like, <laughs> something in my throat. But otherwise, you know, I have this great voice. I have these great takes. You know, I'm loud and right a lot. So, you know, hey, get to know me. <laughs> hey, Cam, be, be, before be, before you get started on, Fred, let me, let me ask you something, Cam, and, and thanks for joining um, the show here. Tell me, what's up with Lewis Hamilton this year? What it is, is it's the car, man. You know, it's with these new regulation changes, Mercedes does not have the out-and-out best vehicle anymore. And Mm -hmm. Lewis has been, and he has said it, the team has said it, Toto Wolf, the team principal, uh, has said that Lewis has tried some experimental setups and things throughout the season. Like, hey, we know we don't have the machine, but we're going to try some other settings. We're going to try some other stuff and get that feedback as we help, you know, to give data to the to the factory as they're designing mm-hmm. parts to develop the car moving forward. And as we're seeing that car become better and more competitive, I think that that's some of that work that Lewis has done early in the season. Like, I know I'm not going to win, so let me at least get the information that can help us push mm-hmm. for a championship next year when he's 38, maybe the year after he's 39. I don't see him going. I mean, Fernando Alonso's 40 on 41. So, I mean, he could still drive for a few more years, but the beginning of this year was really a fact finding mission to improve that car. And that's really why Lewis kind of fell off. Um, and I don't know why Red Bull and Ferrari both got it right off the top and Mercedes didn't, but I think that's really what's going on. Hmm. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. See, Fred, you didn't know. You didn't know. See, I think I think Lewis is going through the same thing that um my 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 crew at Joe Gibbs Racing is going through with those Toyotas. Okay. It's I I think it's the same thing. So I just wanted somebody else's opinion on it. But thank you. Thank you very much. it, well, it, well, of course, of course. And the last thing is, I know people are still mad. Uh, you know, Fernando Alonso was talking noise about Lewis uh, for causing a crash kind of incident a couple of weeks ago. And Lewis made a mistake. Yes, he's a seven-time world champion. Yes, he's the greatest F1 driver ever. Um, but he simply made a mistake. He didn't look in his mirror. He didn't see Fernando Alonso and he turned into him and everything. And everybody's, you know, oh, he doesn't know how to drive. He's not from the front. You don't get to be as good as Lewis Hamilton is without knowing how to drive. 
He exactly. just simply made a mistake. And I want to put that on the record that I know and he knows and everybody knows. <laughs> he made a mistake. Even the greatest of all time. You know, Michael Jordan still missed jump shots. You feel me? Yep. Serena Williams still, you know, had a forehand go wide, you know, every now and then. Mistakes yeah, happen. Man. That's it. Yes, 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 yes. But but you know what what that is, that's about as well, too. So, yes, of course. Uh, shout out to Bubba Wallace. Oh, darn, wrong show. Okay. Mm. All right, let's bring it back mm. to college football here. Boy, we just lost a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're about to be the, bro- like that, we're about to be the brothers or racing the brothers are racing right <laughs> definitely definitely so cam we brought you here to reconvene a little bit from what we used to do at the other show we yeah. talked canes before this isn't for the texas a&m aggie fans you're just here for the ride i'm just going to be honest with you we're a little objective but not a whole lot objective so we'll be we'll be talking about canes here a little bit the, the Miami Hurricanes face off against the Texas A&M Aggies in College Station. Uh, the Aggies just came off of a huge upset loss against Appalachian State. I told my, my guy Rick here, I told him, I said, look, why do these teams still schedule the core four or five teams? Boise State back in the day, maybe TCU or Utah. Definitely not Georgia Southern. Definitely not App State. Why do we keep scheduling? I mean, Miami didn't have any. We had problems, but we didn't lose. But most of these teams are just – they're asking for it. North Dakota State also can't disrespect those guys either. Why are we still scheduling these people? I mean, it's exposure for the smaller program, and it's money. You know, it's, you know, like money make the world go round, you know. So you got to do that. And, I mean, at some point, you got to play teams, you know. And it's, it's great exposure. Um, I'm sure that the other, you know, the smaller schools are using this as a recruiting thing. I, I used to work at a very prominent South Florida high school that put up lots of guys into um, the college football ranks. But one of the kids from the school that I used to work, I worked at Miramar High School for 11 years. So Geno Smith, Stedman Bailey, Ivan McCartney, Tracy Howard, Malcolm Lewis, all them boys. I announced their games, all that kind of stuff. Boom. So if you're wondering where there, Shamar Jean Charles was just a tick under the caliber of player of like a Tracy Howard, five-star American Gene Charles was, you know, a solid mid upper three-star kind of guy goes to app state. Cool. So now you say as app state, when you're recruiting a kid like that, you're going to play on TV against Miami twice in your career. Once up here, once down there. So it's not so far as it used to be. It's a digital world, so it's closer anyway. So if you're worried about, you know, mom and dad not seeing you, it's not like when we only had regional television coverage way back, you know, when all of us on these microphones were younger. Everybody can still see you, and you get a trip down there. So, I mean, it it feeds everybody, and it helps everybody. And, you know, the big teams want to stay big, and, you know, like they want to stay on the top, but you also kind of have to feed that middle and lower tier of the sport so that the sport still has validity. And I think that that's where things come from. And I think that also just sometimes people have um, overinflated egos as well. Mm-hmm. So you think, hey, it doesn't matter if it's 10 years, 12 years down the line. We can play them and we can beat them. Da, 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 da. Well, 10 years, 12 years later came down the line and not so much for Texas A&M. <laughs> I think when I watched that game, I said, man, I think I actually sent you a text. I said, mm-hmm. around fourth quarter time, I said, man, I like us. So I like us against this Texas A&M team offensively. Dude. I saw I'm bored. I'm I'd rather I, I'm borderline Georgia Tech or I won't go Georgia Tech because sometimes they were a little bit explosive, but we're talking Army, Navy, I'm bored, let me watch paint dry, bored with that <laughs> offense because Jimbo, is. this is not the Jimbo that was at Florida State, and at his all. offenses are... Well, mm. I disagree. I think it is the Jimbo that was at Florida State. Jimbo at Florida State had a generational quarterback <laughs> in Jameis Winston. <laughs> yes, he did. And a generational running back at the same time in Dalvin Cook. He absolutely. Who, he even did. when Jameis was inaccurate, he could turn and say, give the ball to four. Toss it to him, screen it to him, pitch it to him, whatever. Just end up with the ball in four's hands. And he single-handedly beat Miami every single year that he was at Florida Don't State. remind me of this, Cam. Uh, Cam. Fact, I literally hey, have hey, nightmares hey, about hey. this. Hey, facts are facts. But <laughs> when you have generational talents like that, and I mean, like, Dalvin Cook is, if he's not the best running back ever to play at Florida State, 
he's no lower than third. I would say probably second behind Warwick Dunn. If you if you even say he's behind Warwick Dunn, and I get that Warwick Dunn was there for four years, but mm, <laughs> I'm probably taking Talvo, mm. you know. And then Jameis Winston, whew, I, I I know he got up on the table, you know, said that thing, and he's. He's stolen the crab legs, legs and he does yeah. a, but you know has done a lot of other uh comical kind of things. But that man was a monster on the field of play. Now, when you have this pedantic offense, when you have this prehistoric offense, and you have just such uber talented players, you can overcome that scheme. And even though that team at Texas AM is incredibly talented, they are not talented like that at quarterback. And that's why you're seeing Jimbo and I I wrote this years ago when Jimbo was still at Florida State and I believe it. I said without Jameis and or Dalvin and uh, well yeah, without Jameis specifically and or Dalvin, but probably the two of them together. He's a 9 and 3 coach at best. <laughs> I've said it for mm-hmm. years and people came at me because we were in the middle of a losing streak to them, you know, da 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 da. da. Tell me I'm wrong now. Go back and look up that piece from whenever I wrote it, 2015, 14. Whatever it was, I actually I'm gonna look it up and I'll put it on my social media. I was dead right then, and people in, in College Station are seeing that now. Yeah, I, I'm really I really said to myself, I'm like, our defensive line is Miami's defensive. When I say our to all the fans out there of the college football overdrive podcast, when I say our, I mean the Miami Hurricanes because I am the resident Miami Hurricane fan. And Cam, you are a friend of the show now. You are the other resident Miami Hurricane fan here. And a Miami uh, and, Hurricane and alone. And alone. Put, put some alone. respect on that. You are you're the alone. So you are less close to it than I am. Music. Let's get it. So, so yeah, you're okay then. Another orange or green guy here. <laughs> okay. 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 I love it. I love it. So when I'm when I'm seeing this defensive line at Miami, we can kind of get da- dive into that one. A guy like Leonard Taylor, who is a complete monster, uh, can do- can take over games whenever he wants to. Looking at Texas A and M without their starting center, who has mono, he may be back, he may not be back. A quarterback who's very shaky, a running back who, yeah, you might throw him a toss, but they're playing against Miami speed, South Florida speed. Not well, look, a shame. The running back is a borderline world-class sprinter. Yes, so, he is. Yes, look, he is. It could be South Florida speed. It could be from wherever. <laughs> that kid can pick him up and put him down with anybody. So I'm not going to say that he's slow. He's, a, I mean? he's an 1101 guy. He was Come a second-team All-American. And, Come and on. I'm still bl- blown away. That's mind-blowing to think you're a second-team All-American. And there are 10 other people in the country that run faster than faster. you. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, look, because he's not a full-time track guy, but he's still 11 flat. In the hundred, like, come on, that's, I mean, yes, I know that there are people who go, you know, sub 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's also doing football and he's not even really focused on the sprinting exactly. all the time. He still has that kind of speed. That's a guy who can get loose. In terms of Miami's defensive line, like, they go what? Eight, 10 deep? Mm-hmm. Legitimately? You know, you brought in transfers, Jacob Lichtenstein, uh, Antonio Moultrie, um, Akeem Mesador, who was a first-team All-Big 12 from West Virginia. They were real, real mad when he left. They didn't really care that much when Daryl Porter left, who's also at Miami, by the way. He plays safety, number five. But when Mesador left, oh, they were big mad. Daryl Jackson, number six, comes back home. Uh, he was at uh, Maryland. Though That's a four that would start in most places, Right. And those four are mixed in. Well, two of them do start, the, uh, Jackson and uh, Mesador. But then you have Leonard Taylor. Then you have Chance Williams. Then you have Nigel e. Kelly, a true freshman who looks like he's about to be a first-round draft pick in three years. I didn't even mention Jafari Harvey yet. You know, I haven't even mentioned Jared Harrison Hunt at defensive tackle. Jordan Miller is getting quality snaps at defensive tackle as well. You know what I mean? I, I, I haven't even – I went down all that. I didn't even get to Mitchell Agood the edge rusher transfer from UCLA. I legitimately just went down eight to 10 names that can and will rotate at the top of that rotation of the defensive line. They're going to really have to make an impact in this game. And with Texas A&M's line not being the greatest and the offense not really confusing opposing defenses, because Again, they're doing the same thing that Jimbo's been doing, which is what Mark Rick did when I wrote about him needing to give up the sticks on offense. They wait till late in the clock. They line up in one spot. They don't motion. They don't check. They don't audible. They don't do anything. 
They say, we're going to run this pretty vanilla scheme and hope that we have elite players to overcome that. So the defense knows, hey, if they lined up here, they're not moving. They're not going to motion from left to right to see if we're playing man. They're not going to, you know, have a H back kind of, you know, do that uh, skip motion across the offensive line and then chip block the defensive end. They line up in one spot. They wait until two on the play clock and then they say, go. Look, if anybody needs to take advantage of that, it's the defensive line for Miami because even with improved linebacker play from, you know, all the linebackers, but including and especially Corey Flagg, who has been derided among the fan base for his play, uh, he's played a lot better, but he's still limited athletically. He's not fast and he's not tall. The defensive backfield was supposed to be a strength of this team. We've still had some breakdowns back there. So, yeah, if the defensive line can impact things at the point of attack, that's going to really be a major major factor in Miami's favor for this game. And that's what Fred and I were texting about the other day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, t- tell me this. What What is one thing that concerns you not only about this game, but about the Canes overall? Um, I'm going to give you two things. Number one, the fact that we haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. Right? We're, we go in somewhere and we win. Uh, again, alluding back to when we finally broke that losing streak to Florida State. For three years in a row, I wrote in the preview that we'd need to beat Florida State twice. So we have to beat Florida State, and then we have to beat the mentality from them that they can come back to win the game. Because even with double-digit leads in that losing streak to Florida State, it came to the third and fourth quarter, and they're just like, look, this is Miami. We're better than them. They're going to mess up. They're going to turn the ball over. We're going... It's going to work out and we're going to win. So they still had that confidence, that faith in self, that despite the circumstance, they were going to come back and win. And they did. Right. So for me, you really have to beat that mentality on the flip side for Miami of here we go again, or it's a tough close game, but we're just not there yet. You know, it's that Florida game from four, five years ago, right? It's kind of close, but. Eh, just not enough. And these other games where it's kind of close and not enough, you have to find a way to go win a game, right? And we haven't done that yet, so that gives me a little bit of pause for one. The other thing is a thing that I wrote about this week on stateoftheu.com, and I urge you to go read it, and I know that it's early in the season because we've only played two games this season. I don't have any more data to work with than that. But Miami's offense is incredibly efficient. We hit our marks for what we need to gain yardage-wise on uh, standard downs, passing downs, first down, third down, fourth down. We hit our metrical marks on that all the time. What we do not have, however, are explosive plays. We're at the bottom of the country. We're in the 120s out of 131 teams in in the number and rate of explosive offensive plays. And to put points on the board... Yes, you need to be efficient. And we saw that from Appalachian State, where they just leaned on Texas A&M. They ran that slow tempo. They ran the ball. They controlled the ball for 42 almost minutes of that game. Yes, you can do that. But also, you're going to need that explosion, right? Because if you think about the efficiency that uh, Texas, I'm sorry, not Texas A&M, that Appalachian State had, they went up and down the field. But what did they not do lots of? Score. Score. Right? Because... Sometimes, because when the when the when the field gets smaller, it gets harder. The windows get tighter, especially going to throw even on play action, all these kind of things. So you're going to need to have explosive plays to put points on the board. That's what Miami has not had. And look, I know we ran vanilla offense the first two games. I know it's a new staff. I know they're probably holding something back. And I hope that this week the playbook gets opened, the playmakers find space and are able to do something with it, and then we have a showing of the explosive plays that Miami has been missing. But to this point of the year, Miami has been one of the like handful worst teams in America in terms of explosive offensive plays. And that is a thing unless it changes, which I hope that it does. If it does not change, that gives me pause. Speaking of playmakers, uh, one playmaker in particular, who has been the, the go-to guy for, TVD, Tyler Van Dyke, the the superstar quarterback. I'll, I'll go ahead and call him that superstar quarterback, uh, the go-to guy for him, uh, and Xavier Restrepo. He's actually out, and he may be out for a while. He's more of a slot guy uh, in, the, in the role of maybe a 
uh, of a Braxton Burials type. But Cam, and I think we lost you, but we got you back. Yeah, uh, we were we were speaking. I was saying, uh, speaking of playmakers, Miami's lost a playmaker in Xavier Restrepo with a foot injury. Let's talk about talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, Xavier Restrepo is a you know slot receiver type, um, very um, fiery player, consistent. Has a twelve. I'm oh, sorry, eleven catches and twelve targets through two games. He's far and away the number one receiver on the team. I don't think anybody else has more than eight targets uh, so far this year. Uh, and nobody else has double-digit catches. There's Brashard Smith and Henry Parrish, the running back, who have six catches each. So losing Restrepo, you lose a consistent player, a player who has a very strong relationship with Tyler Van Dyke. So there's that. Now, Brashard Smith is another very fast slot kind of player, so he's probably going to slide in there. You get Jacoby George, who was getting rave reviews through spring, uh, summer, and early fall. Uh, back from a two-game suspension, and hopefully he's able to step right in and be a playmaker. So, uh, you know, it is a loss for for Miami to not have Xavier Restrepo, but to be perfectly honest, Xavier Restrepo should be your third best receiver, but he's getting the ball like he's our number one receiver, the X receiver. And with all due respect to what he is and what he can do, and that's a lot of things, he's not Amon Richards, right? He's not that singular talent who you can build a passing game. He's not even, you know, Charleston Rambo from last year. You know what I mean? And that's okay. He has a role, but we're playing him and feeding him the ball as though he's the number one receiver. And just for Miami to be the team that they want to be to maybe find some of those explosive plays that we're talking about uh, or some more of them. uh, He needs to be a three, not a one. And even though I know, I know people are saying, well, Xavier Shrepo has like half of the explosive plays this year. Yeah, that's two. So uh, yeah, but, He's a good rotation player who's been thrust into the leading receiver role because of just the whatever you want to call it, dumbing down the offense or running the ball, you know, almost at a two to one clip or whatever. But Miami does have plenty of receivers. Frank Ladson was all American in high school. He went to Clemson. He's back at Miami. I already told you about Jacoby George. Keyshawn Smith was the steal of the year in the recruiting class. This man was at Washington State. Mike Leach left. He got released from his scholarship. Stephen Field, the tight ends coach, had been recruiting the West Coast before at Oregon and Miami, called him, got him to fly across country on a red eye to in his pajamas. And these pictures are on social media. He went and enrolled at Miami the last day to enroll in January before uh, the end of drop ad and was at practice that next day. And now K5 is one of the best, you know, and fastest receivers on the team. He's a guy who can make plays. Jacoby George can make plays. Michael Redding III can make plays. Rashard Smith, um, you know, so, and, and I haven't even gotten to the tight ends. Will Mallory's, uh, uh, Elijah Arroyo. There are plenty of guys who can make plays in the passing game. They're going to have to step up because you could count on Restrepo getting four to five catches for, you know, 55 to 90 yards because Tyler Van Dyke is going to look there all the time. I'm interested to see what the passing progressions look like because that's Tyler Van Dyke's security blanket. You know, like Malik Rozier had uh, Brevin Jordan. Any like come hell or high water, I'm going to go find nine. That was almost where Tyler Van Dyke was with Xavier Restrepo. So it'll be interesting to see what the passing distribution is going to be. Obviously, we want Xavier Restrepo to, you know, have a full recovery and everything, uh, but it's really incumbent upon the players on the roster to step up and make plays in the absence of somebody who's been fed the ball more than anybody else in the passing game so far this year. Yeah. I was looking at when I remember watching uh, the Southern Miss game and I said, I need to see someone else step up, not knowing obviously an injury would happen, but I wanted to see someone else be yeah. uh, to step up and just be a make a, make their presence known uh, in that game. And Miami kind of started out slow and that's typically a thing for the Canes. They tend to start out a little slow, a little sluggish, and then want to wake up in the second half. Texas a and may not be the type of team you want to start out slow with um, as previous Canes teams have done under, under coaches like uh, Mark Rick and all of them. Yeah, yeah, all of them. Yeah, I was going to try to name some guys, but I'd rather just say, yeah, I was trying to be nice, but all of them. Yeah. I mean, like when was the last time that we hit somebody in the mouth? 2017 Virginia Tech, 2017 Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah. And it was really, it was a state. And then they kind of got back into a shootout, North Carolina, 
the one, well, no, not North Carolina, Pittsburgh last year. We hit him. I mean, mm-hmm. Red Lashley dialed all, everything up. It was 28 nothing before you could blink. Yeah. Right. Was, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, was, yeah. And I mean, absent the Central Connecticut State or FAMU games, when in the last decade have we done that? It's you know, been a while. It's Pastor really Taylor, been a when while. I worked at Miramar. Go hit him in the mouth. <laughs> it's definitely right. been a while. And I would probably say the, the the Florida State, and of course we always hit we we've hit them in the mouth a few times. The the twenty seven ten Jaron Williams year that wasn't it, even hitting them in the mouth yeah, though. That was really, middle of the second quarter going yeah, almost towards halftime. True, very. That true. was playing around with them for a little bit, letting them hang around, and yeah. finally saying, "Oh, you know what? Okay, we're gonna we go haven't do had something. that we dominant. Didn't, we didn't come out like Pittsburgh last year. It was twenty eight to seven in the second quarter." Right. Maybe, and I'm going. I'm reaching way back. I'm reaching way back. Um, Oklahoma, Ray Ray Armstrong destroying somebody over the middle. I can't who remember. Who the score who... that game? <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> who the score that game? Ooh, ooh, you're reaching back far. Um, it was pretty bad, but we beat them at least. I think by two scores. But that's been it, that was almost a decade. That was over a decade ago, and so. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a it's been a good while where Miami has Miami hasn't just physically dominated anybody on either side of the ball and just knocked them out of a game before they've ever really they could really blink. And I think if Miami does that, I think they they have a a very good chance of winning this game because Texas A and M really and truly they did not only did they not have the ball, but then the second mm-hmm. half the only time they re, they they got a punt return. That's that's the only opportunity they or a kick return. They had a kick return. So their special teams had to be very special and they had to have a really fast track guy to make something happen. If Texas A&M sleeps, sleepwalks through this game, I could see TBD hitting, getting a little confidence. He's a rhythm thrower anyway. And then he just starts throwing bombs. I don't know if I'm still wondering if Josh Gaddis is going to be that that bomb thrower. Like Rhett Lashley was, but needs to. He needs to because Miami really and truly that it took a flea flicker for them to wake up, and it needs to be beyond that. Right, and I mean that was like one of the only creative, we'll call it, offensive plays of the year. You had a you've had three end rounds: one to Restrepo, one to Brashard Smith, one to Keyshawn Smith. Um, you had the flea flicker to Keyshawn Smith for the touchdown. You had. There was a throw up the middle to Brashard Smith in triple coverage when we got them off sides against Southern Miss, which was a great play, uh, play and a pass for like 34. But Keyshawn Smith was butt naked wide open on a wheel route up that same sideline, um, up the right-hand sideline because the ball was caught almost at, like it was two steps in, or one step inside the right hash mark. Yeah, Keyshawn was wide open up that sideline. Um, but again, there might have been one other play something like this i mean there were a couple there were a couple fades like inside slot fades one to michael redding the third two to michael redding the third and one to xavier restrepo for a touchdown from the 16 yard line but i've literally with nothing in front of me gone through the seven or eight vertical throws this entire season through two games that's not going to be good enough. And you want to run the ball at an almost, I think it's like 1.7 rushes per passing attempt right now. Mm-hmm. You know what's going to help you run the ball? Take the top off of the defense. Make them run bad. hard play action. Send K5 or Brashard Smith or one of these other super fast guys because we have them on the roster. Go send them deep. And then that can give you the room to then app state them to death. If you want to app state them to death, fine. Four yards all the way down the field is a conversion every third down and a touchdown at the end of the drive. Fine. I don't like it, but it would be efficient and it could be effective. But you could also pass the ball a little bit more and then open up room for you to run. I don't know. Maybe. Just saying. Speaking of app stating someone to death, the offensive line, it was a concern going into the year. They had some injuries. Zion Nelson, the projected first round pick. I'm still waiting to see that first round pick but he's still a good player um he should be he's if i remember correctly he's supposed to be coming back for that game how does the offensive line become a factor in this game 
Well, first of all, just on the injury front, other than Xavier Restrepo, everybody should be back. So that's Akeem Mazador had a little bit of a foot thing this week. He's going to be good. Jalen Knighton's been dealing with like a hamstring, groin, kind of a soft tissue thing. He'll be good. And uh, Zion Nelson also, uh, all three of those were listed as 100% full go in practice by Mario Cristobal. So they should all be there. Xavier Restrepo, unfortunately, has a foot injury, but he's out. The offensive line can come into play uh, directly to your question just because they can lean on people. You know, Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal, uh, they're not accepting the level of offensive line play that we'd seen previously from Miami. And over the offseason, you get back um, Jalen Rivers, who was Miami's best offensive lineman before hurting a knee last year. He's back. And in the opener, the first game or the first week of the season, he's ACC lineman of the week, like out of anybody. Right. So you get back your best offensive lineman and he's playing to that caliber. You're going to get Zion Nelson back. Uh, what's his name? Uh, geez. John Campbell Jr. Playing in place of Zion Nelson and left tackle has been very good. Now, by adding Zion in, you have just like on the defensive line, not eight, but maybe you have seven, seven or eight game ready dudes. Logan Sogapalu. um to, to, to Jonathan Dennis from South Dade, who's back at Miami. You got Ja'Kai Clark. Um, you know, the other one is. Justice Olawasan is starting at right guard, and then you have Delon Scaife at right tackle. So yeah, you got eight game ready dudes, including six who have and will you know play starters kind of snaps. And look, they're doing really, 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 really well this year, both in the run game, in the pass game. Now, pass blocking last week, there were a couple breakdowns. You gave up four sacks to Southern Miss, but they brought the house a little bit more than you thought they were going to on a couple of times. You want to see him pick that up, fine. You want to see Tyler Van Dyke get the ball out a little quicker, fine. He had a bad game. He knows he had a bad game. He told us after the game, I had a bad game and I got to improve. Hey, like I said, happens to everybody. But, yeah, this offensive line has the ability to lean on a Texas A&M defensive line that, you know, App State was able to last week. So before you discount that, uh, you know, maybe give them that chance. Keys to the game before we get you out of here. What are your keys to the game? What does Miami have to do to come out of this game with a win and give us a score prediction? Play like we belong there, number one. You can't you can't go in there thinking, oh, well, maybe, or da, 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 da. you know, you have to go in there and own it. You know, they're going to boo you. It's going to be 105,000 people in full voice in their ROTC uniforms because that's what they do at A&M. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but you have to you have to have the assurity of thought, the conviction of belief that we're going to go in here, we compete, we're going to go win. That's number one. Two, you have to win the turnover battle. That's just, I think, foundational. You know, the defense is making plays. We have a bunch of, you know, like we've created, what, six turnovers in two games? I'm not saying that you got to get three, but I need at least two, right? So you got to have that. You get to contain the quarterback run, especially with um, Haynes King, because that's going to happen when when coverage breaks down or coverage is tight and you're playing, you know, uh, cover zero man free and nobody has eyes on the quarterback. So make sure you have eyes on the quarterback. Try to curtail the scrambles, force him to his left if you need to. Uh, so then that makes him into a runner and not a thrower going to his left, because I don't think that he has the ability to flip his hips and make those throws going to his left hand side anyway. On top of that, I already told you we need to make explosive plays in the passing game. Um find some of those because you're going to need those to put points on the board. Um, and again, hearkening back to when Jimbo was at Florida state and I was writing those game previews, I need somebody to make a program changing play in a good way. I need it to be James Williams with a diving interception over the middle against Pittsburgh last year. You know what I mean? I needed to be, um, Chan- or Nigel Lee Kelly and one of his only pass rushing, uh, snaps of the game around the edge with a strip sack, for a you know a recovery deep in Texas A&M territory, I need somebody to, you know, there's so many plays that people know and can remember. Their favorite Sean Taylor play, their favorite Ed Reed, Dan Morgan, Santana, Trajan Moss, Bandy, Trajan just... Bandy, come on. And and when I say that, you're like, what play? You know what play from Trajan Bandy, right? I know you know. Oh, and I even know. if you are a Texas A&M fan, even if you are a general college football fan. Trajan Bandy, that was the interception against uh, Notre Dame in 2017. Break out the chain again, Chris Fowler. That call, right? <laughs> that one. <laughs> the roof came off of that, or of the off of Hard Rock that night. Just oh my saying. goodness, it was it was deafening, deafening in there. 
uh, Ed Reed, before he was on staff, he actually jumped over a little barricade. I was sitting in the front row with a friend of mine at the time, and he came down our row uh, and dapped up every single person in the stands because he was so hype. And he was actually in the middle of an interview with Maria Taylor. And Bandy caught that when he goes, yes, I told that boy, and jumps over the little retaining wall. He comes up, and he literally goes down the whole row and just daps all of us up. And I'm like, Ed Reed is over here celebrating with us. And we're all leaned over because that was back when before the remodel. So we're up like five feet, you know, higher than the field level. So we're all reaching down to dap up Ed Reed as Trajan Bandy is running up the far sideline. Right. That was my experience of it. It was incredible. But my point is on that list of plays, there is room for someone else. There's room for a Jalen Knighton 88 yard touchdown return. There's room for a Tyler Van Dyke 75-yard touchdown pass to insert receiver here. There's room for a James William interception return. There's room for uh, um, Tyreek Stevenson with a cornerback blitz for uh, that impacts somebody that forces an interception. There's room for Leonard Taylor taking over. There's room for somebody to make a play that will live in the annals of history as one of the greatest Miami Hurricanes plays in a game that started Miami towards the path of championship contention. I need somebody to not drop that ball and give me push-ups, not jump off sides, not miss that shoestring tackle, whatever it is. I need somebody not to miss that moment, but on Saturday night, step into that moment and write their name among the others with greatness. That's the last key to the game. And it's going to be somebody, a singular play. That's what we need. And that's why we're going to win. Well, I'm ready to run through a wall for you right now, Coach. I'm just saying I'll strap up for you any day. <laughs> I'm on. ready to go. You're ready to go. Can we get a score prediction? I think it's going to be a um, – I don't see – I don't see how Texas A&M puts up that many points. Conversely, I don't see how Miami puts up that many points unless – Everybody on the offense just has the Michigan playbook from when they beat the breaks off of Ohio State last year when Josh Gass mm-hmm. was OC. Mm-hmm. And that other separate playbook, that super, super secret playbook, they're all going to use that this week. I don't see we're going to put up 55 or whatever they did last year. I do think it's going to be Miami 27, Texas A&M 17, just because I don't see them scoring that many points. I know the game is a uh, – Texas A&M is favored by five and a half. Uh, I don't see – I just don't see where the points are coming from because Sam Houston State was thirty-one nothing, but App State. If App State is is what they what was it nineteen? They yeah. they put up nineteen. Yeah, yeah. So if you're putting, I don't see where the rest of the points are coming from. If you're stopping anybody, and they came up with fourteen, Texas A&M that is. So yeah, I I don't see it. Um, I see a Canes win similar along the lines of you. I'd probably be a little closer, 24-21 Canes. Okay. Uh, just a little, little bit tighter, you know. It's, it's Miami. You got to go through that roller coaster. I don't. I, I hate that roller coaster, but um, I think that the Canes come out on top. Twenty-one, or I'm sorry, twenty-four, twenty-one. Cam, it was great having you, man. Uh, we will definitely have to have you back on. You are a friend of the show. Before we get you out of here, yeah. let the fans know where they can find you once again. Man, it's been real fun. I really appreciate it. This was a, a great way to spend my, my Thursday night with you guys. So, you know, just uh, peace and blessings and all the success in the world. But again, my name is Cam Underwood. I'm the managing editor of stateoftheu.com. So please go over there and fan with us. We're open 24-7, 365, talking about Miami Hurricanes athletics. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the State of the U. And my personal Twitter account is at Underwood Sports, where I'm about to go tweet about F1 manager because we got races to win. I'll talk Wait. to you. Thank you, sir. We will definitely have you Thanks, on again. Thanks, Cam. Hey, anytime, guys. Y'all be easy. All right, man. All right, man. Thank you. All right. So we the Canes fans, Texas AM fans, I know we're we're we kind of shorted you. That was on purpose. Um, but stay with us. Stay with us. Uh it was about the orange and green there. Um, thanks thanks again to Cam Underwood for coming on with us. Uh make sure you go follow him on Twitter, go follow him and his work over at stateoftheu.com. Uh, but we got some picks to make before we get out of here. We have picks to make and rip. No switching picks today. No more switching picks. No, I'm just messing with you. Um, so we have picks. So with this to start, we've already got Miami, Texas A&M out of the way, so we don't have to worry about that. Actually, Rick, we don't want to short you. What do you think about this game? How are you feeling? I think this is a game, true road game, <clears throat> a night game. All eyes are going to be on you. 
hostile environment Very. because it's going to be crazy there. This is the game that we find out a lot about Miami. And, you know, I, I told you who my coach of the year would be this year anyway. I think this is going to be a tough game for Miami, though. But I still have them coming out on top. Miami 17. Ooh. A&M 13. Ooh. So they're only coming – I hope their special teams isn't all that special. Um, but I like the score. I love the love. Um, hopefully we come out on the right side of this thing. Uh, a former big, former Big Twelve members that those those uh, Aggies used to face off against those guys are meeting up again. Uh, Oklahoma and Nebraska. Nebraska has a has just fired their coach last week. Uh, right out, I think they might have left him. They might have not. They might have kicked him out of Lincoln. I'm just curious. Did they? Um, is it like a is it like a no no Scott Frost rule now in Lincoln? Have they like banned him from the entire city, or are they like letting him keep his house and everything? Mm, he keeps it until the end of this calendar year. I think I, I think he'll know. I think he'll be okay with that. <laughs> I think he has fifteen million reasons why he would love to to keep his house. Um, uh, but, yeah. Big so time. Mickey Joseph steps in, former quarterback um, at Nebraska. I really don't see this is a this is the worst situation to step into. Uh, Oklahoma looked pretty good the last couple of weeks. Dylan Gabriel, former UCF uh, quarterback, is manning the, manning the controls. They look like they are picking up where they left off. If this would have been Lincoln Riley, it would have been a blowout uh, because it is Brent Venables and, and company coaching up the defense, and the offense is Jeff Levy's from uh, the former Ole Miss head coach. Oh, I'm sorry, Ole Miss OC. I think this game will be – it's still going to be bad. But it won't be as bad. I think the Oklahoma Sooners win by two scores. Uh, give me a score. Give me, we'll say, 28-17. Go Sooners. Boomer Sooner. Let's roll. Next. Uh, BYU going into Eugene, Oregon. Uh, I'm just going to say it. BYU has a tough schedule. If they find a way to navigate through this thing, because this is not your Chip Kelly, Oregon. This is not your Mike Bellotti, Oregon. This isn't even your Mark Elfrich, Oregon. This isn't Willie Taggart's Oregon. This isn't even Mar Mario Cristobal's Oregon. This is a different Oregon. And I'm taking the BYU Cougars to walk into Eugene, give Bo Nix the beating of his life. Go Cougs. You know, I was watching the game last week, and I was like, this isn't the same team that used to Run up and down the field. I think it was Baylor and Baylor and BYU, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. was Baylor and BYU. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, "This isn't the same team." And then I was like, "But this isn't the same BYU team either." <sighs> Tough game. I'm going with BYU slightly, very close. Mm. Okay. We have a Big Ten SEC matchup, uh, Penn State uh, versus number uh, number twenty-two Penn State facing off against the Auburn Tigers uh, in uh, in at Auburn. Uh, I'm just I'm not a fan of what I see at Auburn right now. This is not your. This isn't Gene Chizik's Auburn, and this definitely. Thank God it's not. Uh, we see what he's doing up in at North Carolina, but this also isn't uh, Gus Malzahn's Auburn either uh this penn state team had uh, sean clifford seems like he's been there and this is like year 10 for him or something he's like a 10-year college nfl veteran i mean he's just like okay i'm just gonna stay nfl is not an option uh defense looks good joey porter jr looks like a first round pick uh offensively still haven't seen much of nick singleton but i think penn state is a little bit more uh resilient up front I'm going with the Nittany Lions to come down south and put a hurting on War Eagle. Big game for Penn State. This is um, prove a game, maybe. Of, yeah, one of these prove it games. And, and, and so I want to know: are they are they really who they say they are? 
or are they blowing smoke? I'm going Penn State. Hmm. Let's go, let's go, Coach Franklin. Ooh, let's go. Coach. So who's going to play him in a movie? I'm just saying, because at some point, if he ever wins a national title, you know he's got a movie coming, right? And you know we got one person to play him. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Is this thing's uh, epic? I'm just I saying. Even, I don't even know if, if the person's born yet who's going to play him. Mm, okay. Okay. Let's do a couple quick picks. Quick picks, rapid fire. Uh, I'll take Minnesota over Colorado. What say you? Ditto. App State. They're gonna Ditto. Take <laughs> App State over over Troy. Yes. Ditto. Yes. Uh, LSU Mississippi State. I this one this one's pretty tough, but I'm going with yeah. the Fighting Mike Leeches. Um, I just don't like what I see offensively from a Brian Kelly led team. And the last time I saw this team. Uh, a few weeks ago, it was ugh. it was ugh. special teams weren't special, and hopefully they still haven't fired that guy. Go Bulldogs! <laughs> uh, going LSU. Ooh, okay. Let's go BK. Prove them wrong. We have Texas Tech facing off against NC State. I have love for the Carolina schools, but Donovan. Uh, I like what I saw from Texas Tech. They were resilient at the end, took down those Houston Cougars, who I thought were a pretty good team, and they, they lasted till overtime. Um, Devin Leary looks really good right now. He he looked really good last couple weeks. I'm going with the NC State Wolfpack. Oh, man, I thought you was going with Texas Tech. Dude, I really did. I, I sold <laughs> that one real good, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you did. I really thought you was going there because I'm going, um, you know, I'm ACC born, ACC bred, ACC until I'm – Red? Uh, anyway, um, yeah, uh, NC State. Although that's a tough one, man. That that I really wanted to pull that trigger, but especially after NC State's performance against East Carolina. But nah, I'm going. Um, yeah, Dave Doran, uh, Dave Doran, NC State head coach, might be a candidate for that Nebraska job. By the way, keep coaching the way you're coaching, coach. Um, we have Michigan State facing off against Washington. This Washington team hasn't been the same since Chris Peterson has been since he left years ago uh, with Jake Browning and company when they went to the went to the playoff. Mel Tucker has his team rolling. They're a physical bunch. They may not be special players, as you say, but they are a tough, gritty team. Still can run the football. Give me Michigan State. Yeah, um, this is not um, this is not the most powerful city in the world, Washington. This is. Out yonder, Washington. <laughs> Bob that. Bob that. No, no Huskies this time, baby. And last but not least, we have a battle of two of the two teams that are vying for number four, maybe, amongst the, I would say number four at some point, maybe Florida State and Florida will come back and join my Canes with as, as the top teams in the state. Uh, yeah. UCLA faces off against FAU. Um, I'm taking – I'm. The Knights let me down last week against Louisville. Let me down big time. I mean, they were up, ran the football really well. Typical Gus Malzahn, get a lead, can't can't finish. But uh, I think the Knights will take care of this one. Um, Johnny Richardson and company can run the football. Uh, former Miami Hurricane, Nikosi Perry, uh, tops in the country in passing yardage and passing touchdowns. It's not going to be as easy as you think, UCF. But I think they get it done. Yes, it will be. They're gonna they're gonna light up the scoreboard. <laughs> UCF big. Ooh. Big. Okay. 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 Big. Put your so money for, on it. Ooh. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I want to put my money on. I don't even know if I want to crown them. I just thought maybe you know the UCF might get it done. I'm, I'm taking a win. I'm taking a flyer on this one. I you know they let you can't stop Malik Cunningham. Oof. Oof. Um, but yeah, this one, this week's going to be, it's not as jam packed as last week, but then we say, we said that last week, it wouldn't be mm, as, mm. as crazy as we thought it was. So college football where upsets happen all the time. If you ever use that, make sure I, I just know I patented that. So, um, oh, trade my but yeah, it's mine. That's mine. Yeah. But yeah, uh, this, this week will be, this week's a, a bit of a light work week. We have the Canes versus those Texas AM, A&M Aggies. Uh, make sure again, thanks. Thank you to Cam Underwood at, 
State from stateoftheu.com coming on the show to talk a little Canes and, and Aggies with us. I will be tweeting live during that game. If I go a little dark, dark 30 on you, because either I'm, I'm super into it or we're losing really bad, you'll know because my Twitter at FredPurdueCFB may be popping or it might be silent. You never know. Uh, but I would definitely be on Twitter tweeting about this game at FredPurdueCFB. Rick, what will you be doing? Who will you be watching on? Saturday? Oh, I'll, I'll definitely be. I'll definitely start off on that game, and then I'll probably go surfing, channel surfing, like I did last week, just to see what's going on. And then I'll come back to that game. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be a good game going into the fourth quarter, and I'll just stay there. But uh, I probably will be tweeting at some point doing that game but i may have too many beverages and Ooh. i don't want to i don't want the i don't want the people to really see rick unleashed not yet Ooh, it's too rick early unleashed Ooh, straight yeah. no straight no taser rick Ooh, i like yeah it. I, like it. I don't I like they're it. not ready for that yet so i got i gotta build them up to it so well, we will definitely get them there uh make sure you follow the show on twitter at, at CFB Overdrive. We will be back on Sunday to give you all of our instant reactions. Uh, you can give me the crying towel. I may need it. You never know. Hopefully, I'm just jumping for joy, but you'll find out about that on Sunday when we reconvene here on the College Football Overdrive podcast. Until then, guys, stay safe and peace. Peace. <laughs>